It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Welcome to today's episode of Beyond the Building. Debbie Kiever and I are very excited to be in this hot, hot month of August. Uh, just reviewing some things from the Word of God. It's our passion to dive deep into the Word of God and bring out those truths that apply to every part of our lives. And so we really count it a privilege to have been able to study the Word uh, this week in these past few weeks and share it with you. We'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love to hear uh, what God's doing in your life. And as we go through this next month, Today's lesson is talking about the times in our lives when the heat really does get turned up. And so we're talking about peaches and canning peaches, and we know, and we're going to find out today, that peaches go through a season where the heat gets turned up and they get put in the boiling water, a season where many of us may feel like we are in, and and we're going to look at David's life in the Bible, and he also was in some seasons like that. But during this time, we do have a free gift for you. Uh, We have Debbie's mom's recipe for canning peaches. I've had these peaches before, and we've shared on the past couple podcasts that they are liquid gold. So if you would like to have the recipe for this as we go through this month with canning peaches, we would love to share that with you. Uh, You can just write to us at beyondwomensconference at gmail.com, and we will send you a PDF of the recipe, and you can join along with us. Definitely in peach season here, there's lots of opportunities to get creative. And so if you have something that you've created or you have a recipe you want to share with us, we can go beyond canning peaches, Deb. We can go to something different and we can try a different recipe as well. So uh, please, please help us out and send us some things. We'd love to hear from you. So as we get into today's uh, episode, just excited for Deb to share with us again the steps on how to can peaches. And listen carefully to everything she says in each of these steps, because Every single part of this process is something that we walk through in one way or another, spiritually or physically, and something that God uses to refine us, to make us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Thanks, Laura. And what I'm hoping to do is to actually film some of the canning peach experience with my mom this summer and make a short YouTube clip of it. Um, because it's kind of fun to talk about it, but it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to see it and for our family to eat it. So, <laughs> And your friends. <laughs> and your friends. That's right. That's right. So just to recap what we've talked about in the first two podcasts in August, we, we mentioned that peaches are selected specifically for canning. Some are better for making pies or for making cobblers, but there are some characteristics of particular peaches that make them ideal for canning. It's nice to be selected, planned for a purpose, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about that in the life of David. Then I bring them home to my house, and rather than jumping right into canning, they're still pretty hard. So I put them in my dining room, and I let them sit for several days. Now, I'm not just ignoring them. Every day I'm over there, and I'm rotating them. I'm trying to keep them from bruising. But I'm giving them a couple days to soften so that not only do I um, keep myself from cutting myself when I go to peel them and slice them, um, but it also makes them sweeter. But the waiting time in our lives, you know, is very difficult. David went through a season of waiting. Today, the focus is on step three. We take these peaches that are now soft. They're now, um, they're ready to be sliced and, and to put in the jars. But there's an important step of submerging them in hot, boiling water. 
Uh, I guess that's the same word, isn't it? Hot and boiling. It's a boiling water for 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. It's called blanching. I put them in there, and when I lift them out, boy, the skin is just starting to fall off. Um, I did not learn about blanching till I was an adult. I immediately called my mom and wanted to know why for all of our childhood years, we had to really painfully work at peeling peaches when <laughs> just a quick shot of boiling water causes it to peel off. With your fingernail, you can get it off. Oh, my. And we're also going to talk today about not only the heat, but this is a time where, you know, there will be some some places on some of the peaches that are brown. They've bruised. Um, and they're not, like, they've, they've not lost their sweetness at that place, but... But they don't, you want a jar of peaches that's all that bright orange. You don't want little brown pieces in there. It's not as aesthetic. So <laughs> we're going to be talking about when God is removing some of the areas that have been wounded in our hearts today. Then the next two, two podcasts are going to focus on these two steps. Um, there's a specific process that you cannot skip any of these pieces of uh, information about the way you slice and pack the jars with the syrup that we make, how you clean the jars in preparation for the final step, which is boiling them. Uh, you boil them, then you bring them out, and then as the jars that were super hot are cooling, it seals the lid. But there are some issues. If you are not attentive to keeping things clean, the sealing will not take place, and there's a final washing of the jars before you put them away. So today, our focus is on step three, where we're going to take these nice and soft and really juicy these are just the sweetest that they're going to be um, you're ready to to slice them and blanch them and uh, then go ahead and slice out the the brown spots so that's where we are today and we're going to be looking at david at as this journey continues of how god was taking david from being a servant to a king he had a lot of waiting and a lot of heat that he had to endure to get to the place where he would he wasn't called liquid gold right he had a, he was called though a man after god's own heart and there's a journey to get to that place absolutely you know i was thinking as you were speaking then and i i do love to personify uh items or, or animals and i think it's uh the elementary teacher in me but thinking about the peach and the journey the peach has gone on up until this point you know he's he's always been on the tree and then he gets picked off of the tree and of course this is us right and then he gets he feels chosen and he gets put on a table and this is different because he's never been put on a table before but it's not so bad because someone's rotating him and keeping him from getting bruised here and there and someone's taking care of him and i think that there is a a time and a season where we go through that we're not where we used to be mm -hmm. we're on this table in a different place and and we know it's not the end like we can't just sit on this table for the for how long right but then after the waiting quite often and we certainly in our lives would prefer to go right from the waiting to the promise because that's the way we would write the story but what happens in our lives and what happens in the word to the men and women who live before us and what happens to the peaches is that they go from that time of waiting and we go from that time of waiting right into a place where the heat gets turned up and we feel like we're being thrown into the fire. 
And if that doesn't sound an awful lot like what we are experiencing today, I know that there are, we know that there are, you know, there's a crisis in our nation right now. There's a time of, of great unrest. There is a virus that is spiking in, in new places or stronger in places that have been before. There are a lot of things going on in this season that we thought was going to be for a short time where the waiting is that time on the dining room table, that waiting and that turning and that feeling uncomfortable or not understanding what's happening is starting to turn into really the next phase, Debbie. And I think a lot of us are feeling a, a new heat or a new season in our lives where the waiting is over and we're starting to feel like the, the heat's getting turned up to a higher extent, a hotter extent. It is in these times, though, I think, at least in my life personally, that I have found that God is refining us to an even greater degree. I also think that new things rise up to the surface that need to be refined. You know, I remember even when COVID started, Debbie, when we were talking about, you know, God uses everything, right? When this all started and we all had to go into isolation, I remember having this uh, discussion with you because we had to cancel the women's conference at Grace uh, Baptist Church. And I remember uh, we were talking and we we're just like, well, what is God calling us to do next? And as we talked about the fact that God was giving us a new platform, I remember sharing with you, and I, I know I'm not the only one, how God had already told me that this season of isolation, especially because I'm by myself so much in a new city, right? Yeah, and now I've got isolation on top of it. Like literally, I had just started going to a Bible study two weeks before. So I had started meeting people and then boom, I'm back in my house. And I remember the Lord just saying that this was going to be a time of refining for me and that he was going to allow things to come to the top as I was by myself. I find that interesting because a lot of times things come to the top when I'm with other people, right? Irritations, whatnot. But there's deep things inside of me that God wanted to bring to the surface. And so it was through, during that time that the heat was getting turned up, that God was bringing things so that I could confess them, so that I could repent and turn away and turn toward him. Um, and that's really where David is in this season right now. So David had been in this time of waiting where there were battles and different things going on in his life. Um, but now, you know, he has made a friendship with Jonathan, who is Saul's son. And he is in the palace playing a liar. Uh, spears are being thrown at him. He's already faced Goliath. And one of the greatest things one of the greatest gifts that was given to David on this journey was the gift of having friends and other people on the journey to support him through his walk in this new place. We know that Jonathan was a friend to David and we know that he had him in the palace, but God also gave David this band of men called the mighty men in second Sam, uh, Samuel 23. I know this is true of you too, Deb. You know, we don't get to see the people that we want to see all the time or that we're used to seeing all the time. But we do have these opportunities for Zoom platforms or other things where we can connect with one another and still have those relationships, that gift from God, even in the middle of this fire. You know, in the time of isolation, you may think, well, how do I connect with people? You know, like if you are an introvert, and you're home, first of all, you're probably not minding as much being home because you like to be home. But it, it's, it's hard for the extroverts, that's for sure, right? Mm -hmm. But people are saying, well, how do you stay connected with people? And part of it is being creative 
right? Mm-hmm. In terms yes. of new ways, there's a lot of people, I would say in our age group and up, right? Of course, we're 29, but <laughs> that have had to learn new technology, Yeah, you know, to be able to do that. So you have to be creative in how you are intentional on reaching out. And that's the other piece. A lot of times we grow up with this idea that it's my right to have other people reach out to me. Mm. And they don't take the initiative to go and be the one that makes that first phone call Mm, that says, hey, look, I can't come sit with you at your house and drink coffee, but would you be interested in picking up your phone and FaceTiming me and I'll drink my coffee and drink yours? So a part of this, you know, you may feel like, well, I don't have a band of mighty men around me because everybody is stuck at home. Then you have limited what really can be possible through the use of technology and just picking up the phone yep. and calling. You know, David, how you think, how did he find these mighty men? Mm-hmm. He probably was looking and God provided, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if you're at home and you're feeling discouraged, like, well, I would love to have some mighty female around me, you know, to kind of men and men and women to really support me. But you don't see, you look around and you think I'm still alone. I feel alone. Nobody's reaching out. Then the challenge for you is, be the initiator. Ask the Absolutely. Lord, where should I look? And then be the one to pick up the phone and be proactive. You've got you've got options likely in your church. If it's not been a platform you've been comfortable with before, then then just try it. Yep. Just try it. But you you need them you need to be surrounded by mighty men, but you may need to go be the one to initiate those relationships. Don't wait for someone else to do it. Absolutely. And there's never been really a a better time for us to be able to do that without being out of the house. Right. You know, I have even in this season gained more uh, Facebook friends, but not people that I don't know very well. These are women from my past who now are reaching out, you know, for people that they're we're reconnecting. Oh, and absolutely. people from our past, that's important. You know, we have those, we have those roots together. And so I'm grateful for those women back in my life. So David, um, I find it fascinating. You know, one of the things we love to do is, is dive deep into the word of God and really see how we can apply these things to our lives. But in Second Samuel 23, Debbie is where uh, David's mighty men are listed. And if our listeners, if you have your Bible with you, maybe not right now, but check out Second Samuel 23 because you'll want to read through the whole scripture. I love it when names are listed in the Bible because each one of those was a person with a face and a family and a personality and they lived and they had a life and we want to know everything we can about them. They're there for a purpose. So there's a few people I just wanted to highlight today and as we are highlighting these, as we're discussing these, if you're listening, take a minute and think, Who in your life is this person to you or whose life are you this person for? So listen to these men, you know, Um, in 2 Samuel 23, David had three men who were really the leaders and the mighty men. And one's name was Eleazar. Now, Eleazar is described in the beginning of uh, 2 Samuel 23 as a man who fought the Philistines with David. And he was in the battle so hard and so long that literally when the battle was over, his hand was stuck to the sword. (laughs) That, that is, that is some dedication. Mm -hmm. That is somebody who doesn't leave their friend's side when they're going through the fire. That is someone who is willing to jump into the fire with a friend. 
because they have a common goal and they know what the outcome is. And they also believe in the anointing on the other person's life, really, if we took it further. Eliezer stood by David because he knew God had anointed him to be king. And he stood by him and he supported him so much that he was willing to take his own sword, his own hand, and go into the battle. Let's remember he was going against the Philistines, and the Philistines were some big, strong, scary guys. Yep. Right? So who's the Eliezer? in my life or in your life or in, in, in our, our listeners' lives. Who is the one, ladies, that you know that when you are the peach on the table and you see the water starting to boil and you know you're the next one to go in, who are the people that are going to stand with you holding their sword as the fire gets turned up hotter? You know, it makes me think even as we go through these mighty men, when the fire gets turned up hotter, uh, right away, of course, we think about Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in the Bible back in the book of Daniel. I love the fact that when they went into the fire, they didn't go in one at a time, right? God God allowed them all to be thrown into the fire together. And as we are all in the fire together in one way or another in our nation, I am grateful that I don't go into the fire by myself, right? God gives me women to stand with, uh, agree with, or that are going through their own struggles and we can support each other with. So right under Eleazar, and I love this one because, you know, there are so many people in the word of God that are given their name. Like I just said, there's a list of names in uh, 2 Samuel 23. But so many times in the word, we don't know the person's name who did the different uh, things in the stories of the word. You know, we don't know the servant girl's name who told Naaman to go wash in the, in the river. We don't know a lot of names. Well, there are three anonymous mighty men who are listed after Eleazar, and I love their story too because they were such a support and an encouragement to David, and they believed in the anointing and the call on David's life so strongly that David made a mention that he was thirsty and that there was a particular well in the Philistines' land and how much he would like or longed for a drink from that well. Well, these three anonymous mighty men made a choice to go back into the Philistine land. They put their own lives at risk, right, to go get what would satisfy David's longing. And they brought back this well water from this special well, and they presented it to David. Now, David, being the, the humble leader that he was, uh, he refused the drink, actually, because so many people around him didn't have water, and he poured out the water as an offering to God. But... Who in our lives, or am I that person in somebody else's life, who is listening closely enough to the people around me, to their needs, mm -hmm. that when I hear they need a drink, and wow, they wish that drink was from a particular well, that I would not go the extra mile to get that drink from that well to give to that person. When the heat is getting turned up, God gives us people around us and we need to be the people for others where we are going to be going the extra mile for each other. You know, who comes to mind when you say these three went the extra mile? We need those people. We need to be those women in this time. You know, I have a, a friend who I know prays for me daily and I really, I, I covet those prayers. Times that I have been going through uh, some heat, you know, so something that was really hard for me because she had been committed to praying for me all along. 
There were times in her quiet time where God would put something very specific on her heart, a specific scripture or a song, and then it would just show up in my text. It would show uh-huh. up in the mailbox. And that was a person who went the extra mile, right? Uh-huh. Now she, she may not have had to go and fight Philistines for some water, <laughs> but but because she cared, she was listening to the Spirit tell her what I needed and that sometimes that timely word that, hey, I've just been praying for you. My heart's been heavy uh, about something going on in your world. What's going on? What can I share a burden with you? What can I mm-hmm. carry a load with you? And it gives me what I need mm-hmm. to keep going. Mm-hmm. So part of it is really just listening to the Holy Spirit direct. Yep. How, what do they need? Because yep. he sees exactly where they are, what they're facing, and he will use you in a practical way. Yep. To whether it's showing up with a meal or seriously just a phone call to say, let me pray for you. Yep. And it carries you through so that you can continue to do the battle that you've been called to do. Yep. Amen. You know, David was uh, David was called to fight Goliath. But when it came time to fight the entire nation, God put a band around him. Yes. You know, and they went in together. So I love that. I also love that example you just shared because that friend's encouragement uh, didn't have to stop. When, no. COVID, when COVID hit. No, no. Right? There are new creative ways to encourage each other, even in these crazy times. And then the last person that, uh, the last mighty man that I uh, really jumped out at me uh, in Second Samuel 23 is a na- man named Benaiah. And Benaiah's story is that he stood by David and he slayed, I, I don't remember the number or if they even gave the number, but so many of David's enemies. So he went to battle for and with David, but this is what really stuck out to me. The battles were eventually over and David we know becomes king. After that, there are certainly more battles ahead and we know that you know David's son Absalom tries to take the throne. We know that all kinds of crazy things happen in life for David, but at the very end when David dies, Benaiah, is the one who stood by David's family, making sure that the throne was secure for Solomon after David had passed away. There are friends in our lives, mighty men and women, who don't just stand with us through one battle or two battles. They're there for the long haul. They walk with us through the good times and the bad times, and they even want to make sure that the future for our generations is secure as well. That speaks very highly of Benaiah, that at the end, he also, it wasn't just that he was concerned about David either. He was concerned about the anointing and the throne that God had. Like he was concerned for God's purposes for David and for David's family. I find that huge. So I've really been asking, you know, the Lord to open my eyes for the people around me who might need a a mighty woman standing by and praying that that would be something that God would allow me to be. And also opening my eyes to maybe some people who I haven't noticed are standing around me quite as much and show some appreciation because God gives us that gift. When the heat gets turned up, we are given the gift of a band of mighty men and women around us just like David was. You know, I try to think if I was David and I knew that there was a fire ahead and and God was saying, I need you to run into that fiery time, I think I would put my running shoes on and go the other way because who likes to run into fire? Really nobody. 
But David had some serious running to do for years. Mm -hmm. We've been making mention about Saul has been kind of a like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of relationship with David. Uh, he brings David into his palace because he feels better when David plays um, his lyre and he and he the spirits that were plaguing King Saul go away when David is just worshiping God with his music. But then he'll turn out of jealousy will come this fit of jealousy will hit uh, Saul. He'll throw spears at David. And now David is really on the run for his life. And at one point in first Samuel 24, Saul got wind that David was in En Gedi and he goes out with 3000 men to find him. Not to bring him back to the palace so he could hear music, but to kill him. Hmm. So David spends a lot of time knowing that he's been anointed to be the next king of Israel, but hiding in caves. He's constantly hiding. He's living in fear of this king that hates him. Mm -hmm. But then what would happen, and you, as you read through Samuel, you see this repeat itself. Saul's about to kill him. David it, he doesn't get killed, and Saul changes his mind and apologizes. Well, I'm so sorry I was so mean. Come mm, back. Mm. And then he comes back, and all is well for a little while, and then David's popularity is growing, and Saul goes crazy with jealousy because we all know that jealous people can become crazy people. And <laughs> and he goes after David again. So it's like the seesaw of mm -hmm. emotion. It's It's a very different experience for us, but I feel like when I listen to the news on a Monday – Here's the rule about masks, and here's the rule about what's opening. And, and yes. by Thursday, this is the new rule about masks and gloves. And yes, yes. now this is closing. And in a sense, I feel like as a nation, there's a lot of seesaw yes. going on about what are we allowed to do. And you're at, it's hard. It's one thing if you can have expectations that are reasonable. Mm -hmm. But when, you, when they don't make sense, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. really tough. And it bring, exposes an impatience in each of us. Mm -hmm. And David walked through that mm -hmm. he had a lot of seesawing behaviors of king saul yeah you know that makes me think about even what we're going through right now too and we've talked about the grace that we need to give to one another because one day we may wake up in this and we feel encouraged right in this season that we're in and the next day we may feel discouraged and i'm thinking about our family members our children our mm -hmm. teenagers and we are going to have those people and we may be those people too who flip flop back and forth just like just like Saul did in a, in a way you know it's good it's bad it's not good it's not bad so even uh even how David had to approach King Saul in his uh flip flopping emotions we are experiencing that too other people experience that with us because <laughs> it may happen to us too and then we have to um you know experience it just like David did with that humble heart before God um, you know, in our families too. One of the things we see in the life of David in this season of running is it was almost like God was cutting away attitudes of I'm going to do this myself. Mm. David began to really grow into a heart. Like what says that David was a man after God's own heart. There had been a lot of cutting away of other attitudes and other beliefs about himself that, that were not embedded in what God would want him to do. And that had to be stripped away in yep. this time of running so that he could get to be king, a king with God's, after God's own heart. 
just as an example in this time that he is on the run, these mighty men would give their lives for him. Mm -hmm. And so they also spent a lot of time speaking to him, you know, encouraging him. And, and you don't blame these guys, but they were also like, we know you're the next king. Why don't we just take down King Saul now because it's rightfully your position. Yep. But there was something in David, and this is the spirit of God that was on him, that David knew that King Saul had been appointed by God and until God took him down, yep. it was not his position to fight that authority yep. to kill him. Now he had to keep running. Right. But he he actually had a couple moments where two opportunities in particular, where in his hiding, Saul ends up being in the same cave as David, not knowing that David and his men are hiding in there. And you can just <laughs> picture the whispering in the mm. back of the cave. Do you see, David? God has given Saul to your yes. hands. Go yes. get him. Go take your sword. And just like you did with Goliath off with his head and go assume the rightful position mm -hmm. that you have. Now, when you've been in hiding and you've been running and it's been hard, the heat's been turned up, sometimes listening to the mighty men <laughs> replaces your ability to hear God. Yeah. And, and mighty men are great to have, right? The godly friends, the ones who really, they live by their convictions of, of what the word of God says, but they are still imperfect human beings. Mm -hmm. And so what David was learning was above all else, it was God's voice that he, that he needed to listen to. And all his years of watching those sheep and listening to the Heavenly Father speak to him out on those hills, he knew how to hear God's voice. So, and this is a tough time for him. The heat's getting turned off. I mean, you can only run and hide so long, mm. right, before you're finally fed up, especially when you know that God has placed, he's called you to a position and it looks like God is handing over this madman to you. And now your mighty men are encouraging you. Mm -hmm. David actually, at one point, he cuts off a piece of King Saul's robe while he sleeps. He could have cut off his head, yep, but he didn't. He cut off a piece of robe and I'm sure the, uh, the mighty men were like, David, go for it, go for yeah. it. Right. And instead he cuts off this piece. And then it was very interesting. David felt this overwhelming feeling of guiltiness, mm -hmm. right? Of guilt. Like, I shouldn't have done that. That's mm. disrespectful to the king. And I'm sure the mighty men were like, are you an idiot? Like, yeah. you, you, you stop short, David. You stop short. Right. But, but David was really realizing it's not my place to take down King Saul. So he rebukes his mighty men. And God actually uses that where David holds up this piece of cloth and goes, King Saul, I'm really not the bad guy. I'm not your enemy. I could have killed you. And again, Saul says, I'm so sorry, David, come back. Yep. Until the next time that you yep. know he starts chasing him. So yep. this is quite a process in this heat being turned up, in cutting away this will, I'm going to do things myself, God is refining a, an important spirit of being obedient. Absolutely. No matter what, being obedient. And this continues to strengthen within David as this running season goes, goes on. Now there's, you know, an end of, at the end of this chapter, Saul comes to David and actually says, will you take care of my family? and not mm. let them die off eventually, which is kind of ironic because mm. Saul is starting to turn a corner and realizing that David is the next king, mm -hmm. you know, and he's, he's acknowledging that. And he knows that twice David could have taken his life and he didn't. And yep. so he's saying, 
you know, will you do this for me? And if you think about it, way down into uh, David's reign as king, he learns about Mabibosheth mm-hmm. as as a family member who is still alive and not being treated carefully, you know, with, with tenderness in the palace. And he goes and he gets him. He's keeping his promise yep. to King Saul. Kind of interesting, like Benaiah took care of David's family yes, after David yes. was gone. David honored life. Yes. David honored Saul's life. And in turn, somebody also was honoring his life. Yeah. But he came through that fire as a person whose heart was so much like the Lord. I wanted to read one scripture to you, Laura. It's in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, because David hits a point where the king is out to get him. Jonathan has passed away at this mm-hmm. point. His mighty men have abandoned him, and they, they're done with him. Mm-hmm. Even the enemies who actually sided with David at one point, they are now out to kill him. And it says in this verse, and David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. And these are his own people Mm -hmm. because all the people were bitter in soul, each for their sons and daughters. But at this point it says, David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. You know, when we hit these fiery times, it is possible that God is allowing everybody else that we have used to lean on to not stand with us any longer. Yep. And it's important that at the end of the day, the one that we are standing on is being able to hear God's voice uh, versus caring more about the opinions of other people. If he had cared about these mighty men's opinions or his family or even King Saul or the enemies, any other voice, he might have caved. Yep. You know, and in the cave, taken <laughs> Saul's life. <laughs> right. But he was, God was bringing out in him this a tremendous commitment to do things God's way above Amen. all else. Amen. You know, if David had chosen to disobey and do things his own way or the way that the mighty men were encouraging him to do it, if he had cut off King Saul's head instead of his robe, King David would not have been ready for the throne that he was to sit on in the anointing that God had for him. That's you right. know, there were still roads, there were still caves, there were still battles ahead that would need to be fought and David would need to continue to be formed and fashioned into the individual who God had called to the throne that he was not there yet. I think sometimes when we take things into our own hands and try to advance ourselves, whether it's in the fire or not, we are we are cutting out Maybe some difficult seasons that we have to walk through. I mean, what's the Bible says that difficult times, challenging circumstances, you know, they trials, right? They shape us. They develop perseverance and patience and all of these things that David would have needed to be the king that needed to rule Israel on that throne. Those lessons hadn't been learned yet until he had walked the full path of suffering that God had purposed before him. We don't like to hear that we're supposed to suffer or that we're supposed to go through the fire or there's hard times ahead. But there is something that happens to us during those times that does prepare us for the place that God has us for the anointing that he has put upon us. I'm back with peaches. If there's any point in this process that I decide to stop, you Uh know, I'm like, this is just hot. We've done this with broken air conditioner before. And it's, it's kind of a long, brutal day. Why don't we just shortcut 
yeah. this process, you do not end up with the final product. Yeah. You end up with like 20 pounds of peaches that you have to eat this week. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not the whole purpose. That's no. not why you started to do it. It's not healthy for you either. Right. So it's seriously what you're saying, you know, David had to see it all the way through with mm-hmm. peaches at this point, you would say this water's too hot. This cutting hurts too much. Mm-hmm. Hang in there because mm-hmm. this is not the forever. This is not your final landing place. That's right. Cause the peaches still have two more steps to go. That's right. right. That's <laughs> and right. We don't know how many steps we have to go yet, but it was important. I think it's because, and we'll talk about this at the end uh, today. It's kind of where we're headed, but I think that David always knew that he was possessed. Uh, to be on the throne. And when it was God's time for him to be on the throne, God would put him on the throne. That's right. And so he was submitting to the Father's will in everything that he was uh, supposed to do and everything that he was supposed to walk. We don't want to hurry God's plan. In fact, it wouldn't only have been bad for David, it would have been bad for the nation of Israel because right. there were still a lot of Saul supporters at that time. Mm-hmm. The nation could have been divided. It's if, When it's done in God's way, things stand. You know, there That's might right. be some shaky, but things do stand. So all of these hard times, really, the fire in the peaches, the, or the, the hot water for the peaches, the fire that David was enduring, really is to reveal the stuff that's in our hearts, to bring it to the surface, and then praise God that when he uses, you know, the, the cutting tool, whatever it may be in our lives, you know, he does it with mercy and grace surrounding it. I was looking at this scripture in Isaiah 43, really, uh, verses 1 and 2, and I'm sure that that many of our listeners have heard this. We have said it many times, but I love the scripture. I'm just going to read it. And then I'm going to just uh, say a few things that I've, I've been thinking about it, but it says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, he says, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers, they will not harm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. Now, if we were to take the peaches at this point in their story, they have been chosen, which is what the Lord says at first, and they've been laid out and it's time now, actually you can combine water and flame, right? Mm -hmm. They're getting ready to be boiled. But there are times in our lives where we are passing through the waters or we are going through the fire, we feel the heat, we feel the flames. But you have to have verse one in your heart before you can fully understand why you can make it through the flames and through the waters and through the fire in verse two. The Lord says, uh, this is what the Lord says, he who created you, that word for created, oh, I just love words so much, Debbie, you know I do. He who created you, the word for created means he who selected you or dispatched you. Now, when I think about the word dispatch, it means not only have I been chosen, but I'm being sent out for a purpose, right? You don't just dispatch somebody out to the roads and say, see if there's anybody who needs emergency service. See, you know, when an ambulance is dispatched, it's because there is a purpose, a place it needs to go to. There's a destination. Yeah, exactly. The place you're going. Yep. So the Lord is saying, uh, uh, Jacob or Israel, Um, I have created you, I have selected you, there is a place you are going, and I get to determine when you are being sent out. I'm going to let you know when you need to go. And then it goes on to say, he who formed you, Israel. Well, the word for formed there, I love the word for created and formed are different words. 
But the word for formed actually says that there's a preordained plan and that you've been fashioned for a purpose. That's the definition there. So if we read this again, it's like God is saying, look, I have selected you. I have a place you're to go and I'm going to tell you when you're going to get there. I have a preordained plan and I have made you for a purpose and you are mine. So then we go to the next verse. So when you go through the water and when you go through the rivers, you are not going to be overwhelmed or, or, or consumed. Why? Because I've selected you and I'm dispatching you. Dispatching has a destination. It has a purpose. It has a place you're going to. There's a preordained plan and there's a purpose that you haven't accomplished yet. And so I love the fact that the Lord was saying, and if we can get this perspective, I think this is the perspective that David had. If we can get this perspective in our minds that I am going to make it through this time, this season, this challenge, this trial, this isolation, this uh, lack of peace in our country, I'm going to get through these things because God has already dispatched me for a purpose. And because I haven't seen that purpose fulfilled, I know I will not be consumed. And he also says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Amen. And yes. so in the midst of in the midst of the places that are so hard and the pieces that you feel like, why are you cutting this out of me? He's not standing like high in the sky looking down on you thinking, let me see how she squirms with this you know, cutting. He's right with you saying this, this sliver, this uh, splinter in your hand is hurting you. Yes. I need to take yes. it out. He's in the yes. midst of it. And you, know, you have to, you have to go into those hard times saying, God, because you are all places all the time, you're omnipresent. Where are you? Amen. Show me, show me that you're here. Sometimes, right. He'll speak right to your heart. Sometimes he'll speak through a, a mighty man, you know, yeah. to give you a word of encouragement. Yeah. But when everybody else fails, in case that happens, he is still there Amen. and he is speaking to you in the midst of that. That's why you can go on. Amen. Amen. It's a great promise. We say it all the time that I'm, I'm going to walk through the waters and I'm going to not get burned in the fire. And those things are all very true to have a basis on why those things are true. That's because right. Because he's the dispatcher and I know I have not completed my purpose yet. And so therefore I'm going to make it through. He's the dispatcher, but he's sitting with you in the, yeah, the front exactly. seat. He said, exactly. here we go. That's the great thing about God. He's all places. He also says, you know, he, he, he knows uh, us so well. You know, he's our kinsman redeemer. It says, I have redeemed you. Redeemed also means ransomed. And, and if we go back to Ruth's story, we know that once, once a kinsman redeemer stepped in and, and took over and claimed you as their own, wow, your life was changed forever. And their job was to protect you and take care of you, regardless of the challenges that would come your way. So God steps into that place. He steps into that process in charge and he takes care of the whole thing. Now it, it amazes me because every time that you see in the word of God that there's a transitioning happen, or I shouldn't say every time there's a transition happen, I should say every time you see water, right? There's a lot every, of transition. Exactly. Water always is related to transition or quite often is related to transition in the word of God. When the Israelites left Egypt, they transitioned through water into the wilderness. When they left the wilderness, they transitioned through water uh, into, the, into the promised land. 
And even I was reading this morning in my quiet time about when Jesus and his disciples got into the boat and they experienced the storm. It was because Jesus said, I want to take you to the other side, right? There was a transition. They had to get to the other side. And so here we see that he, God is saying, when you pass through the water, and we can take it to what we've been talking about all summer, right? When you go through seasons of transition, when you go through seasons where you have to stay in your house, when you go through seasons when you're allowed out of your house, when you go through seasons where your kids are not doing what your kids should be doing or your marriage is struggling, you know, I am with you in this transition and I'm going to heal those places and I want to bring it all back. I love the fact that God shows us that when the heat is turned up in times of transition, he continues to be with us and call us by name. And we can walk with full confidence that he's dispatching us to the place where we're called to be. That's so good. So I guess the question that we need to really wrap up this awesome David teaching is how, Laura, can we come through this fire or this time of cutting away in a way that we are honoring God like David did? Amen. And that's a, that's a, a key, it's important place to, to focus just because this is the application part. How can I weather the times of fire and the times of transitioning in a way that my heart is, is pleasing to the Lord? I think one of the things that David did, he kept his eye on the call of God's light on his life to be king. And what is, what is God calling you to? So, you know, you feel like when you're in the midst of times of when it's very stressful, right, where there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of changes, you can get a little derailed mm-hmm. in those times and lose sight of what was it that God called me to do mm-hmm. and to take time. That's where your time alone with the Lord is so important to be in the word and, and, and really let his word speak to you, but to quiet yourself and let the Holy Spirit speak where there's not a lot of competition for other voices coming at you uh, with rapid fire. God, what is it that you've called me to do? And one of the things is, it's so clear, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The two most important things to God were wrapped up in those scriptures. And so as I'm going through the hard time, the tendency might be to want to lash out at somebody who's around you. But God is saying in the midst of this, whatever you do, Whatever you speak, whatever you post, you know, whatever you share, is it pleasing to the Lord? Would Jesus have said or done that? And does it love, like with an agape love, that self, like that sacrificing love, are you loving your brother and sister mm-hmm. through that? And if it doesn't line up with that, then you need to just kind of stay in the cave a minute and rethink you know, before I cut the sword or cut Saul's head, I need to step back and really, really think, God, is this action that I'm contemplating doing, are you going to be pleased with it? Amen. Does it love you the most? Does it love my neighbor as I love myself? Because if it doesn't, I need to just hold back and reevaluate before I take a step. Amen. I think one of the uh, a key in every season of life, really, and it definitely when you're going through times of fire is to know the word and honor it, to spend time in the word and soak it in, like keep yourself full of the word day in and day out. What does, what does God say to Joshua and Joshua one, right? Uh, he says, be in the word, right? And, and let my word, that's your basis for everything. Like you should always be on your lips. It should always be on your mouth. So when we have that foundation of the word in our lives, 
I think that God will allow those things to, to come up into our hearts and back into our minds when we are in these seasons of transition. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a fire and that scripture in Isaiah has come back to my heart. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I've read that scripture in Isaiah multiple times because I've studied that scripture of Isaiah and it's become just a natural part of who I am. So really staying grounded and honoring God's word in times of, of difficulty and boiling is what's kept me uh on the right path on the right track i think one of the things david did was he wrote he wrote Mm -hmm. and he wrote and he wrote and how much we i think every person is gravitates their lives towards the psalms because there's every emotion that you can relate to in there so as you are walking through times that are the high pressure cookers you know the those moments that really want to pull uncomfortable pieces out of you write it down Mm-hmm. You know, really journal it almost like a, a diary to God, right? Just journal out your feelings because you cannot hold them in. It's not healthy to hold them in. And so if you're spending some time alone in the pressure cooker, like in the cave, you know, waiting to see what God, when he's going to move or when the pressure's on and or your emotions are really surging, rather than lashing out at a person, mm-hmm. God can handle your emotion, Mm-hmm. He can handle even a lash out. He can handle it. And so write it. Just begin to write how you're feeling. Go through scripture. And look for other people who felt strong emotions. See how how they handled it. I mean, you're going to find positive examples and negative examples. But it's it's a matter of just not keeping it inside. Mm-hmm. Get it out. And it's, as a result, you end up with something documenting when you're through it. Right? It's almost like personifying that peach who's now on ice cream. <laughs> and everybody's like, wow, I, I wish I was like you. Right, right. You, that peach pulls out the diary and said, let me just describe to you how I got yes, here. Yes, exactly. You know, because people are looking for that easy, you know, staples, uh, easy button mm-hmm. to get to that place of maturity. And really, it's the hard growing pains that get mm-hmm. us there. So there's something really cool about pulling out a journal and it's fresh. It's yep. fresh again, yep. you know, that they, they look at you now and they go, wow, I had no idea this is where you started, yep. you know, so Absolutely. there's something about that journaling that's so important. There is, because our emotions can go one way or the next, and we want to do something positive with the emotions that we've been given. We mm-hmm. want to use them correctly and do something positive with them. Um, and then I think just one last thing before we, before we wrap up here is uh, remain faithful to the one who is faithful to you. Yeah, wow. You know, I think in the, and and maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's just me, but it is so easy to be faithful to God when you are on the tree or when you're being chosen mm-hmm. or when you are being laid out on the table, dining room table with all the other peaches. I mean, even in the waiting, I think that waiting gets long, but at least in the beginning, we are anticipating something. And so it's easy to be faithful because we're holding on to God and we're saying, we can't wait to see what it is. And so there's an anticipation. And, and so we develop this level of perceived faithfulness. But then when the boiling starts, it's often easy for us to uh, not be so faithful and walk away from the one who was faithful to us when we were on the tree, was faithful to us when he put us on the waiting table, and is still faithful to us, as we've seen in the book of Isaiah today, when we are going through the boiling water and everything's being cut away. He was faithful to David in the 
in the cave. He was faithful to David in the field. He was faithful to David when David got on the throne and he was faithful to David till the very end. He's always faithful to us, you know, and that's what we want to continue to walk in that that faithfulness. We talked a couple of episodes ago, Deb, that, you know, faithfulness is one of the, you know, one of the things that we want to be uh, growing inside of us, right? But it comes from abiding. So it goes back to the word, like we've got to stay connected so that we will respond correctly when we come into these challenging situations, which we will all face at some time or another. And sometimes we face multiple challenging situations all at the same time, but we do need to stay faithful to him. You know, Jesus, again, is that model that we, Mm -hmm. he's the one that we keep our eyes on to copy. And if you think about the life of Jesus, he was faithful to the end. Yep. You know, he was faithful to the end. He certainly was in front of a firing squad, you know, with with horrible words and accusations. And then what his whole walk to the cross and death on the cross. And it wasn't until God deemed that it was finished. Mm. It was finished. He didn't say, all right, that's enough. I quit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, he finished it. He was faithful Mm -hmm. to the end in the most horrible type of heat, you know, and, and cutting, literal cutting. But we're all here. We're even talking together because of that faithfulness. So let us be, let us be here at the end of our lives, the father to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. And and enter into paradise where we're going to be eating liquid gold peaches (laughs) for all eternity. I don't think I found that in scriptures, but in my eyes, that's part of heaven. So we're, it's been fun. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today for this podcast on the journey of the peach and uh, the journey of David from servant to king and really what God is doing within each of us. Next podcast, we're going to be focusing on step four, which is where these peaches have finally been cut and they're all the all the broken, wounded places are done, but now it's back into a liquid that uh, is the sweet sauce, right? It's the really sweet um, juice of the canned peaches. And then they go back into boiling water yet one more time, uh, kicking and screaming. But <laughs> David, David is that much closer as we study what happens next, closer to that place of being king, but he's not quite there yet. So we are thankful that you've joined us today. Again, take pictures of what you're doing with your peaches and let us know if you would like the recipe by emailing us um, on our website. And so thanks for joining us from Laura Prano and Debbie Kiever. Have a peachy day. And thank you so much for joining us. God bless you guys. We believe that God will use what was shared to encourage you as you step into the more that he has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you were created for more. 